It's never a bad time to celebrate the work people in the trans community are doing, but it's especially important while the current administration attempts to pass legislation to erase their presence. But that won't happen if Delia Kropp has anything to say about it. She is an actor, a director, and a transgender advocate here to talk about some art and some people who will not be ignored. Transcripts and Landlocked are coming down the pipeline, and we want to welcome Delia to Vocalo. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jill. I'm glad to see you. That's good to see you. And uh, I'm glad that I got a chance to see you now before you got too busy to talk to. <laughs> uh, in case people have not been able to keep up, because there is, of course, a lot to keep up with uh, in the news any given day. I mentioned the trans erasure that the uh, Trump administration is attempting. Can you uh, give us a little summary of what that is about? Well, yeah. Um, right, right now, it's simply a leaked memo, but uh, the intention of the administration is to uh, essentially define not just my gender, but yours in terms of your genitals, um, which essentially that transgender people uh, are going to be eliminated by definition and the exact impact that will have legally and on your health care and every other way. Is, it's, it's manifold, and we don't really know the specifics yet, but it's... It's the most overreaching systemic elimination of a people by definition. Yeah. Uh, not physically. We're still going to be here. Yeah. And we're still going to be transgender. <laughs> but um, and it's not yeah. as though this is some new phenomenon that uh, that you know we're like oh where did y'all were you have you been hiding behind this this building the whole time? No. We're a political pawn. We are trotted out whenever the Republicans particularly need to score some. Big, quick, nasty points with their base. And, hey, you know, here we are. And uh, we're the whipping person. And um, it seems to be the one thing that all conservatives can get behind is that we should not exist. So there you go. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that uh, we're able to talk about uh, these two projects, which, as I, as I mentioned, uh, you're not going anywhere. And you might as well make some noise while, yeah. while you can. Let's talk about transcripts. It is seven stories by seven women, but why these stories and why these actors? Okay, um, a little bit of history of the, of the script itself. Um, it was put together over several years by a cisgender male playwright in New York named Paul Lucas, and he traveled the world. He went to all continents except Antarctica and interviewed transgender people, uh, somewhere between 70 and 80 total, including me here in Chicago. All right. Of those, he uh, took seven stories, uh, people of various ethnicities, of various ages, countries, and uh, in order to get what he considered a, a good representation globally of our community. Every word of this play is verbatim, although he's obviously the editor choosing what's going to be on there. He has every single word is the word that one of these seven trans women has spoken mm -hmm. about their uh, childhood, about their transition, about their love life, um, about all aspects of living. And uh, it's extremely rare that you get to hear or see any sort of entertainment that is directly us, pretty much unfiltered and unedited. As a transgender advocate in the performing arts community, my big thing has been to make sure that transgender people get to tell these kinds of stories, that we don't have a cisgender person throwing on a dress and pretending to be one of us. So uh, I've been able to find seven really good transgender actors from around the Chicago area, and um, it's going to be a play reading. Mm -hmm. So we were rehearsing. We're rehearsing by email. A lot of us are. It's and, crazy. <laughs> no, it's you know? wild. Uh, and uh, 
on the night, we will uh, sit there on our, with our music stands and our scripts and our stools, and uh, we will share these stories, which um, they're in little bits and pieces, not just seven blocks, but uh, seven, it's almost like a discussion. Yeah. Uh, the playwright doesn't like this description at all, but it's sort of like being in group. <laughs> Where a topic comes up and everybody kind of weighs in on the topic, right? But in the process, the audience will get to experience a really rare thing, real trans stories told by real trans women. Now, how come you, one person with limited resources in one city, were able to find seven actors to tell this trans story or their trans stories, and Hollywood, with unlimited resources, uh, doesn't seem to... uh, know where to look. It has to be a priority. It does. I mean, we don't grow on trees, and I, I acknowledge that. And you know, those of us with a, a long, long pedigree and acting experience and perhaps are even a little harder to find. But the fact is, we're here. And you have to realize that we do bring something to these roles in our life experience, in our appearance, everything, you know, that you're just not going to simulate. Even with the biggest, most bankable Hollywood name up there on the marquee instead. I, I've heard uh, trans actors say that it's important to have actual trans people there, not just for the, uh, you know, for the life experience and everything, but to tell other folks that, hey, we're not just men in dresses. We're not just mm-hmm. women in suits. This is a, a totality of experience. Yeah, it is. It's an entire thing. And yet... Our totality can be defined or identified in terms of externals, and it's, it's so tempting just to get a, any, a, any old garden variety cisgender actor and to try to dress them up. But there are, I cannot tell you the sacrifices I've made, the things I've gone through, the, the way I'm treated every day, including getting a little side eye in the ladies' room just now when I came out of, that, <laughs> that you just don't appreciate unless you've walked a few miles in our shoes. Uh, transcripts is being mounted during, uh, you know, understatement of the year, during a tumultuous time. Mm. But it's not set up as like a tragedy. We're not hearing seven tragic stories. There's there's humor here. Why is that important to convey as well? Because this is a pretty funny thing to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the essence is is that it's it's like anybody that was born with something a little bit awry, and uh, whether it's a, a missing leg or a, you know a body part on backwards or a part of you that just doesn't function right, we need to make a correction, mm-hmm. and we need to define what that correction is and how to move through the world as well with it. And uh, that's inherently a system of conflict. And sometimes that conflict can be pretty funny. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about this film that you're working on. I'm so excited to see you on the yes, big screen. Me too. <laughs> it's, a, it's called Landlot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, from what I can tell, it weaves uh, this kind of really relatable family, uh, mother-son road trip drama with, uh, like... Just some really, you know, unusual circumstances. Uh, tell me about uh, the dynamic that you're showing in this film and, and why it's important to explore. 
Well, one thing that's interesting about it is that it's actually a father-son dynamic. Oh, I apologize. No, I mean, the uh, an older transgender woman mm-hmm. that has uh, basically split from her family uh, over 20 years prior is suddenly reunited with a son under very unfortunate circumstances. The, uh, the ex-wife mother has passed away, and the son wants wants his father to accompany him to spread the mother's ashes in a very favorite spot of hers. Mm-hmm. So um, the son is going through a very difficult time in his life trying to figure out what he wants and who he is. And um, this confrontation that happens on a little road trip as mm-hmm. they proceed out to the ocean to spread these ashes is as much his story as it is the uh, transgender fathers, and the two of them both trying to get something very special from each other, which time and some really bad family history is making a hard thing to do. It's the kind of situation that cisgender people are in all the time. Oh, sure, just searching for that closure after after a tragedy. Exactly. There's nothing really uniquely transgender about this, but being trans lends so many other layers of complications and difficulty and since this is in the South, we are filming <laughs> around Atlanta area. Okay. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is, of course, a hot spot right now politically in terms of voter denial. The, uh, the director is from uh, Atlanta, from the, excuse me, from the Atlanta area, and he feels very strongly that the South needs to evolve. And he has specifically written a transgender character here so that... Um, the uh, South can be seen as more than just a bunch of, you know, denying racist, redneck, transphobic, homophobic people. Um, and that the Atlanta area in particular has come such a long ways. So it's a thrilling thing. It's not just a statement from my trans community mm-hmm. and about, you know, um, mother-son, father-son relationships, but about where the South is going as well. And yeah, like you said, the, the the whole country is watching this uh, oh. gubernatorial race down there, just kind of shaking their head at the obviousness of blatant this. <laughs> racism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I I appreciate uh, folks with you know different perspectives shaping a more three dimensional uh, narrative around the South. That there are people yeah. who aren't doing this participating in this madness. Yeah, well, the director, after film school, he could have done what most of his fellow students did, go out to California, go to Chicago, go to New York. But uh, his roots in the South were deep, and he felt that he could make uh, make a contribution by telling stories that, you know, would help the South go somewhere where it needs to go right now. Yeah. I'm excited to be talking to you uh, right ahead of the Transgender Day of Remembrance. Uh, For people who might not know, what and whom are we remembering and, and what can we do to honor those people? The Transgender Day of Remembrance is held every November 20th. And uh, the Transgender Awareness Week is the seven days that lead up to that day. And uh, uh, the Transgender Day of Remembrance is to recall all the uh, transgender people that have been killed and have been murdered in the past year. And unfortunately, that that number you know, isn't static. And we hear about these things all this all the time. How do you participate in this? How do you pay pay tribute to those those fallen people? We have a vigil. 
every year. And we gather at different places. Um, sometimes we just gather privately in small groups, which is what I've had to do the last few years, um, and just say everybody's name. Um, it's a number that is growing. It's always been over 20 since I've been celebrating it, and we unfortunately we're on track to maybe hit 30 lost people this year, which would be tragic, including some right here in the Chicago area. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but in your in your work, I, I feel that's more of a of a celebrational remembrance. You keep going for those who don't have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's why it means so much for me to tell these seven transgender stories here uh, right during Transgender Awareness Week so that people that uh, wouldn't normally get a chance to really experience our humanity and when you're right there live mm -hmm. in the same theater just a few steps away from a transgender actor, you are experiencing a trans person. And uh, you are getting these beautifully written stories, uh, so direct and unfiltered and alive, that uh, it just puts things in an entirely different perspective. That's what we mean by representation, mm -hmm. just being there, um, being there, being ourselves, being human beings, and hopefully being very entertaining as well. <laughs> <laughs> well I have no doubt about that, and I uh, appreciate the work that you do every day. Uh, to make sure that uh, this erasure, that ain't happening. Yeah, um, as I say, I, I understand that we are just pawns, that in a funny sense, it's nothing personal. But of course, every time a marginalized group is made more marginalized, it is extremely personal. And mm -hmm. real lives are affected in very, very real, painful ways. Well, thank yeah. you for joining me. I want to get some info out to the people. You can RSVP and find out more about transcripts at aboutfacetheater.com. And crowdfunding and further info for Landlocked is at seedandspark.com slash fund slash landlocked. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Joe. I'll see you next time.